Welcome to The Wall of Soundtrack, a show where we discuss the music and soundtracks behind the very best TV shows and motion pictures. In this episode, we'll be analyzing and discussing the music and soundtrack behind Oliver Stone's epic football drama, Any Given Sunday. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Orange Line Condo. If you're in the market for a condo in the DC metro area, you have to go with Orange Line Condo. Realtor Sean Battle has over 15 years of selling properties and is licensed in both the DC and Virginia area with Century 21 Redwood Realty. Sean has also been a top producer with the National Association of Realtors annually since 2005 and has been awarded yearly Century 21's Top Agent Awards for sales and quality service. Sean is also not only a good friend of mine, but he is a great guy and a realtor that is in your corner. If you are in the market for real estate, don't hesitate. Call Sean Battle now and get your dream home. For more information and to schedule an initial consultation, visit www.orangelinecondo.com or call 703-999-8108. That's 703-999-8108. Any Given Sunday is a football drama that was released in 1999. The story surrounds the Miami Sharks, a fictional American professional football franchise that was once great but is now struggling to make the playoffs. The film is loosely based on the novel On Any Given Sunday, written by NFL defensive end Pat Toomey. The picture was written and directed by Oliver Stone, Daniel Pine and John Logan would also be credited for contributing to the storyline and screenplay as well. The cast of Any Given Sunday included a variety of renowned actors, actresses, and former NFL football players, including the following. Al Pacino as Miami Sharks head coach, Tony D'Amato. Cameron Diaz as Miami Sharks general manager and owner, Christina Pagniacci. James Woods as team doctor, Dr. Harvey Mandrake. Dennis Quaid as starting veteran quarterback, Jack Cap Rooney, Jamie Foxx as third-string quarterback, Willie Beeman, LL Cool J as starting running back, Julian Washington, and Margaret as Christina's mother, Margaret Pagniacci, NFL Hall of Famer Lawrence Taylor as linebacker, Luther Levy, NFL Hall of Famer Jim Brown as defensive coordinator, Montezuma Monroe, Aaron Eckhart as offensive coordinator, Nick Crozier, Matthew Modine as internist, Dr. Oliver Powers, and John C. McGinley as sports writer, Jack Rose. Several NFL football players and coaches also made cameos in the film, including the following. Dick Buckus, Y.A. Tittle, Pat Toomey, Warren Moon, Johnny Unitas, Ricky Waters, Emmett Smith, Terrell Owens, and Barry Switzer. My returning guest for this discussion is Cy Shackleford. Sai is a writer for the entertainment commentary and review website, Actionagogo. You can follow his articles on the website, www.actionagogo.com. And you can also follow him on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at Shaq underscore house 83. And at this time of year, as we move towards the end of the NFL season into the playoffs slash Super Bowl, Sai and I thought, what a better time than now to discuss such an epic football movie like Any Given Sunday. We really had a blast doing this episode. And we hope you enjoy it as well. Here's my discussion with Cy on the music and soundtrack behind Oliver Stone's epic football drama, Any Given Sunday.
All right, Sai, how are you? Good, good, Andrew. How you doing? Good. So, uh, what's new with, uh, have you seen any new movies lately? Actually, yes. I saw Vice yesterday with Christian Bale and Steve Carell about the, um, it was a really, it was a real tongue-in-cheek frame like a comedy biopic of Dick Cheney, former vice president. And Christian Bale, he does it again. He transforms himself, get, puts on weight, actual weight, gets a beer gut, shaves his head, and even learns how to do Dick Cheney's trademark snarl every time he talks to Dude, that guy is amazing, man. He's just he always brings his A game and always just makes a total commitment to every single role that he does, even at the cost of his own health. Like, remember when he did The Machinist and how bony his rib cage, his rib cage was showing for that role? Yeah, he looked like he was in like uh, some some type of like concentration camp or something. Yeah, yes, he did. Yes, he did. And then he put on he put on all that muscle, all that weight and muscle back on his body when he did the first Batman Begins movie as well. Yeah, he's just take he he's makes total commitment and uh he's one of those method actors yes he is and i think now with daniel day lewis retired christian bale is hollywood's number one method actor now yeah he's got the same dedication to his to his character roles staying in character the whole time he's had that ever since back when he was when he did patrick bateman for american psycho just talking his american accent even in interviews about the film and isolated himself from the rest of the cast just to stay in character what did you so I mean what was your opinion of the movie overall? I thought I thought they really Adam McKay directed it and he framed it like a tongue in cheek comedy really. And there were plenty of laughable parts in there including a sequence where you think the movie's over halfway through and they show the credits but then they immediately say scratch that we're not done here. <laughs> Do you think it, um he also did the big short yes, as he, well. Did you think it was better than that or I I did actually yeah. I saw wow. the I saw I saw the big short thinking that it was going to say something about the whole the, the the economic crisis but really it felt like Wolf of Wall Street in, in a certain sense. Okay. Yeah, I mean not not the same level of dark comedy or over the top scenes and whatnot, but I just didn't feel like I didn't feel like it said anything really. Okay. Okay. I saw The Mule, man. That was excellent. Clint Eastwood, yeah. Yeah, it was like uh Grand Torino meets Mystic River. Mm. And Mystic River is my favorite movie too. Yeah, he he just keeps bringing you know uh, excellent qualities to or excellent excellent quality to all of his movies. And he stars in this one as well as directs it, right? Yeah, he, he's like what eighty eight years old now, and he's still doing it. Yeah, I, I mean, admire that. He's just a journeyman. He just keeps going and 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 keep perf- he keeps perfecting his craft. It's just uh, it's incredible, you know. And people want to be in a Clint Eastwood movie too. That's how that's how much weight his name carries. Yeah, and he reunited with uh, Bradley Cooper, um, who was an American sniper. sniper. And, um, you know, it was, there's definitely some tongue in cheek, you know, racial humor in there. So, like, I mean, going back to the the, the Gran Torino even film. Be- even before that, really, like Dirty Harry, he was doing that tongue in cheek racial humor there, too. Yeah. So, uh, there, there's, a, there's a lot of comedy in it, but it also, you know, has the. The seriousness as well with uh, the drug war and and how um, you know his, his character flaws in the movie. I mean, I don't want to give all of it away, but um, I think it's definitely worth going to the theaters to watch. So he's a he's an old man that gets roped into being a drug mule. Yeah, he's like essentially a transporter of of cocaine for um, like a drug cartel. And actually, it's pretty cool in the movie. Andy Garcia is one of is the head of the cartel. <laughs> 
<laughs> Garcia. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he's he's got a lot of funny moments too uh, in in the movie. So uh, yeah, definitely worth going to see though. So that's what that's what Vincent Corleone became after the mafia thing failed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, man, um, I see you're sporting your New England gear. Yes, you're sporting your Jacksonville gear. Yeah, it's uh, we still have some some time left in the NFL season. We're moving into the uh, moving into the the playoffs. Yeah, the wild wild cards are today, actually. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, and it's what a, what a better time, right, to move into uh, the soundtrack of any given Sunday. Oh yeah, let's get it. Yeah. So, um, yeah this this movie, man, I think this is one of the best football movies uh, I've seen. There's a few others like like the program and uh, Necessary Roughness. That's a good one. Uh, Brian Song. Yeah, Brian. Yeah, Brian Song. Ultimate and, guy cry movie, by the way. <laughs> yeah, and then um, what was the other uh, comedy? I think it was uh, the Replacements. That was, that <laughs> was Keanu, pretty, Keanu Reeves. Yeah, that that's pretty funny too. And I think one of the coaches in this movie, um, I think it's the quarterback's coach, was also in the Replacements as well for the Sharks. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I, I'm blanking on his name, but um, he was yelling at Willie Beeman on the sidelines. He's oh, like, yeah, he's like a Beeman. drill sergeant. Yeah, yeah. I told you get ready five minutes ago, and he's yeah. in there eating chips. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so um, and I think, you know, the movie really, um, it just really captures the, the NFL and professional football, I think, very accurately. It was really ahead of its time. It was, yeah, and I'm sure Oliver Stone wanted to use the actual NFL their logo and everything in there for for the film, but they probably rightly figured it would make them look bad. Yeah, even though it's probably even though it's most likely true to life. Yeah, and it actually touches on the concussions, which was um you know uh, an issue that was covered by that movie that Will Smith was in. I'm blanking on the name of concussion. It. Concussion. Well, well, <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> Tell the truth. Yeah. Tell the truth. <laughs> I saw that in the theater too. Oh, and was that was that good too? That was a good film. Yeah, I mean, it shed some light on an issue that really needs to be addressed a whole lot more. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's it's kind of sad too. A lot of these players are are suffering of all these issues. You know, after retiring, after retiring. Look at Junior Seau. Yeah, yeah he's committing suicide. Example. Right, yeah, like he, he killed himself. Not only was he a good player too, but if they actually gave him the treatment he needed, then he'd probably still be alive today. Yeah, it's just it's tragic and um but yeah, this movie just touches on a lot of things, the commercial aspect, business aspect of Oh yeah, behind the scenes aspect of the game, the, the what the owners the owners perspective and how that how that affects the coaches, the players and even the uh, the spectators. Yeah. And then all of Oliver Stone is at the helm, the director's helm and and really brings it in with this movie, does a great job. And um you know, it, it it's just uh, I'm trying to think of um you know, I, I know we've been. It feels like we've been kind of on like an Oliver Stone kick lately. But he, I thought Scorsese and Scorsese, well, yeah. Scorsese too, which is kind of ironic because uh, he was like uh, Marty. Marty Scorsese was Oliver Stone's like film school teacher, which yeah, is kind of crazy. Was. It is, yeah. And I guess you you kind of find similarities uh, between the two their films and there are there are the use of music, the fast pacedness. But I think Stone he is better editing than uh than Scorsese does. Yeah, and um. We were just talking about this before. Willie Beeman, who's one of the the main characters, played by Jamie Foxx. I was kind of thinking about the league, the NFL today. He kind of reminds me of like Lamar Jackson from the Baltimore Ravens, <laughs> or uh, or um, Josh Johnson from the Washington Redskins, or Jalen Ramsey from what's it called the the Jaguars. Yeah, yeah. all all the trash talking they do. Yeah, the yeah. ego. Yeah, but um, 
And, and you know what's also great about this movie is there's so many great Hall of Famers that are like, you know, ex-NFL players and Hall of Famers that show up and make cameos. Yeah, even, even at the time, at the time, present day players as well, too. Yeah, like Terrell Owens is in the film. Yeah, he actually plays himself more or less with the Sharks because he's actually got a, a Sharks jersey with Owens written on the back of it. Yeah, and then um, I think Ricky Waters was was in, and I don't know if he was playing at the time uh, in the league, but Ricky Waters was the running back for um, San Francisco 49ers yeah. and uh, C- Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, and Terrell Owens, he played for San Fran at the time. Yeah, yeah, they, they were actually saying, um, I was watching the behind-the-scenes for the film and they were saying that Oliver Stone was saying that he was so fast he actually beat some of the dollies when they were filming. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Pretty that crazy. Is. But um Jim Brown also another another great uh Hall of Fame tailback for the Brown um was it Cleveland Browns? Cleveland Browns, yeah. And also played lacrosse as Bunk Moreland would say in the wire. <laughs> he did, yeah. <laughs> yeah, guy was just uh amazing athlete, but you know, he's he's just has a great performance in this movie. He does. He has a he's a way of playing those authoritative the black authoritative roles in his movie. Like um in this film and a year prior to this film and he got game. Okay. Yeah, where he played a Denzel's uh parole officer, I think it was. Okay. Okay. Um yeah and I was uh I was actually watching Nixon and that's another Oliver Stone movie and they uh the main character, uh, Nixon, played by Anthony Hopkins, mentions Jim Brown uh, in the movie and how ironic to, for, for, for Stone to actually end up working with him he, later Jim on. Jim Brown in this film, yeah. Yeah, so it's pretty cool, man. It is. Um, this is an ensemble cast, too. It's uh, yeah. Al Pacino, Dennis Quaid, Cameron Diaz, LL Cool J, James Woods, Matthew Modine, uh, John C. McGinley, who's a who's a Oliver Stone favorite. Yeah. Um, who else? Who, uh, Stone himself in like a Hitchcockian appearance. He's uh, one of the announcers. Yeah. The play-by-play like, callers. He's like drinking in the <laughs> yeah, first game. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and then even Charlton Heston shows up as like the commissioner. The commissioner, yeah. <laughs> who else? Uh, uh, Lauren Holly. She was Dennis Quaid's uh, like gold-digging wife. Yeah. And it's like a lot of his other movies like JFK and Nixon. You see all these – like he has this just crazy – epic cast of like actors and actresses that he uses people want to work with him although james woods he said he'd never work with stone again after salvador i think it was and then ironically he's back he's back i'm glad he's in this film because he's funny the yeah he was doctor. funny yeah he is he is he is funny like, like, like this the scene where um where cherubini the second string quarterback where he gets injured in the first play and then as Jimmy Woods, he's getting t- he's taking the the main captain, the uh, main quarterback, Cap Dennis, Rooney. Yeah, Dennis Quaid. Yeah, he's taking him back. He's like, wait a minute, we need you back here. Cherubini, Cherubini's injured. He fell. Fell off what? The bench? <laughs> all right, all right. Don't bleed on my suit. I'll get over there. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, he's he's he was great in Casino too, man. As we were talking last time, he just had a lot of funny kind of zingers and he, he does. He's good for that. Yeah, it's like James Woods playing. James Woods. <laughs> just like in the, it's like how they did it in Entourage. They made fun of that. Yeah, yeah. So let's jump into this soundtrack here. Um first song we're gonna cover is in, I believe the actual is actually the first game. It's by Gary Glitter. It's a uh, called Rock and Roll Part Two. Um this is like the old kind of the cliche or you know, quintessential sports song that you hear you probably even hear it at uh, the majority of sports arenas that you would go to if you're going to a live sports event even even at a high school game I, they used to play it at my high school football games too yeah and i think it really fits the scene because 
you know, um, I think it's Willie. Willie, this is Willie's first time coming in after the two quarterbacks, Cap Rooney and Cherubini, get hurt. And he's been there for five seasons now as a third string quarterback and hasn't done nothing until now. Yeah. So he d- definitely doesn't have the experience. It's kind of a shit show. He's thrown into kind of a shit show. Mm-hmm. And, and he gives more of his background to us to why he doesn't really have the experience he should have as a quarterback. Yeah. Because, you know, he the whole, you know, this is later on in the film, but he, he mentions that he was uh, one of his coaches wanted him to play cornerback instead of quarterback, yeah. and he ends up dislocating his shoulder. shoulder. An injury that still persists throughout the film. Yeah. But, um, yeah, they play this song. It's, it's It just works perfectly with the scene exhibiting the chaos, the confusion. He's not even at one point under center. He's, like, got his hands under the guard's ass Yeah, he's like, he's like, get like, your hands out of my ass. That's what <laughs> I said to your girl last night is what other team members said. <laughs> then, what do you, I, I think he pukes, too, right? Like, yeah, that's like his – Pukes uh, in the huddle. He pulls a Donovan McNabb. Uh-huh, or, or, or Darren Drozdov. He used to, that was his nickname when he was in the NFL, Puke. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's. I was thinking that when I saw that movie, or when I saw that scene, I was like, he's him puking in the huddle. I was like, it really reminded me of the Donovan McNabb thing, <laughs> puking in the Super Bowl. And, yeah. Oh man, so many, so many connections to to present day football. It's great. It is. It is. It's that's what makes the movie kind of timeless. Yeah, and just uh, a small little note here: this song is not on the soundtrack. Um, it's not on the official soundtrack, but um, I think it, it's placed very well. And, um, you know, there, there's a lot of songs that actually are in, in this movie that are not on the soundtrack. No, they're not. They did a volume two of the soundtrack after the main, after the main one. The main one got, like, success in the pop charts and went gold. And LL Cool J's song that was on the main one, Shut Him Down, that, that was a big hit single. Yeah, yeah. So on the success of that, they put out the volume two, which included all the songs, all the other songs they used in the movie that weren't included on the first soundtrack. And then uh, we'll go into our next one, Fat Boy Slim. Which is right here, right now. I like Fat Boy Slim. I'm a fan. Me too. It's, Me too. Um, and 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 I like how uh, Oliver Stone and the music supervisor kind of switched it up with you know all the different types of genres and of music in the film, like electronic, you and, know, uh, new metal. And then you have hip hop, and then you have funk, and and that's kind of exemplified in this opening this opening scene for the Sharks and the and, and the game, this game that they're losing. Yeah, they go through they go through the Gary Glitters Rock and Roll Part Two, Fat Boy Slim. And another song too, right after that, it's like probably to show how how intense their frustrations getting. Yeah, and and uh, you know, I guess that's a good segue into the next track, "God" by Godsmack. Oh yeah, why? I'm, at the time when when this when this um when this movie came out back in 1999, I I was really big in the new metal scene, and Godsmack they were one of my favorites. Their yeah. first album, their self titled album with the girl on the cover and the Godsmack old Godsmack Sun logo. God, I was a fan of that. And their music, their music was like super. What was that around? Like early two thousand ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I remember seeing them at HF Festival with um, uh, Audio Slave. Oh yeah, that was like Audio Slave or Rage. It was, I believe, it was Audio. I think, yeah, Audio Slave went on second to last, and then Godsmack came on. Yeah, in two thousand, the two thousand HF Festival, I saw them there. Okay. Yeah, Rage Against the Machine. They were also there too. And they were really big in a lot of movie soundtracks as well. I think it was like uh, Scorpion King. Sw- uh, yeah, you, yeah, Scorpion King with uh, what was that? Um, the Rock. The Rock. Yeah. The Rock was in that. Yeah, uh, Dracula two thousand. Uh, yeah. Scream three. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean they're a great live band, real heavy, and this song just fits perfectly. It's right when Willie Beeman throws uh, the interception on the first <laughs> yeah. drive. The first drive, yeah, yeah, and then all, and then uh, Al Pacino's like, "Fuck!" 
Yeah. And you see Cameron Diaz like, no! And she looks like she's about to say fuck and the camera just turns off. Yeah, yeah. Um, fits perfectly. I mean, and you look at the lyrics, um, l- lyrics for the song, you know, why another, another way for you to fake your way through life. Yeah. Remember everything you do will come around. Yeah. Yeah. That fits, that fits Willie Beeman. And also the other lyrics that fitted are how the hell can I forgive you? You made me suffer trying to see how far you push me underground. Maybe that's still, that's still his bitterness about being, not being the quarterback that he should have been and the experience he had in college when he was, when he dropped from being a number one draft pick with a million dollar signing most to going down six rounds. Yeah. And I was, it was kind of hard to, to uh, recognize this track in the movie because it's an instrumental. They only really like kind of phase in the heavy guitar parts. You don't hear the lyrics because no, the, the lead singer's voice is like very noticeable when you hear it. Like Sully Erna, yeah, he has a recognizable voice. So I, I was like, I was like, that's Godsmack. And then I had to like kind of, kind of trace, you know, backtrack. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah. So then we go to our next song by POD, uh, Whatever It Takes. Yeah, this song, when I heard it, I thought it was, when the first time I heard it, I thought it was Rage Against the Machine's Tire Me, which was also used in Higher Learning four years prior, and was on their Evil Empire CD from 96. It just sounds similar, because like, the song is like, how did it go again? How did it go? We're already dead! We're already dead! And the P.O.D.'s version goes, whatever it takes! Yeah. And it sounds like, and it has a similar guitar riff, too. Yeah, this is off the P.O.D.'s um, album. I, th- I think it was called The Fundamental Elements of so Southtown. Southtown. Yeah. yeah, which has the, you know their infamous track Southtown, which is really yeah. heavy. That is very heavy. This one is heavy too. I mean, yeah, even it's it's it was very part of that whole rap metal new metal sub-genre, yeah. new metal genre that was heavy at the time. Yeah, and I think P.O.D. they did it. They did that genre well because not only was their musical background good, but they got a frontman who can actually rap. Yeah, Sonny Duval, I believe his name Sonny is. Sonny Sandoval. So, uh, Sandoval, sorry. Yeah. And um, where, where, what I also noticed, I also noticed is when they're, the song uh, kind of fades in when they're going into the locker room. Oh, yeah. And you, and above the locker room, it says, whatever it takes, which I thought was a really cool way to kind of bring everything together. Yeah, I thought so too, actually. Yeah. And the motivational speech in that scene too, that, that Al Pacino's character gives them. If you want to be pussy, raise your hand. L.O. Cool J <laughs> raises his hand. He's like, what the hell are you doing, Jay? My bad, coach. I didn't want you to be the only pussy out here, son. <laughs> He's like, defense. He's like, you got to do something. <laughs> you got to do something. He's like, you got to fly around out there, you know? Cover your man. <laughs> he didn't know what to say. He let Jim Brown say it all. Jim Brown's like, we designed the defense for idiots. <laughs> You're dumb enough, so we made it. It was simple enough for you to understand it, you dumb motherfucker. <laughs> he is like the comedy. Uh, oh, my God. He just... He just has some great lines in the in the film, and um, it's really like a delight to watch him. And I mean, him just being a Hall of Famer too, and being able to act like Lawrence Taylor did a great job too. Oh, LT was really good, really good. He yeah, was Luther Levey, the the linebacker, and even when uh, Pacino's character is arguing with Cameron Diaz again, she's like, "Shark is too old to play. Shark is not too old to play. He revolutionized linebacking. Lawrence Taylor did that. Yeah, and that's why he's considered the best defensive player ever. Yeah." He's just a monster. The, the yeah. tackles that he made. I mean, his career oh, is incredible with the Giants. Like, he's a beast. Yeah. Chip, um, back to the song though. What's it called? It. Um, there, 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 there was like a bridge in there. Apart from the lyrics that you posted, that pretty much describe their motivation, like whatever it takes, and we got to separate all these true from the fakes. There's a bridge in there where it goes. This is our house. This is where we live. Ain't nobody gonna mess with us in our house. 
That's pretty cool. Yeah, I thought that was pivotal as part. Of, they didn't include that part in the movie, but I thought as part of the whole song itself, it was pivotal to the scene. I don't know why, you know, on a, on a just a random note, I don't know why POD gets so much hate. I'd be like, because people are like, oh, they're a Christian band. And I'm like, you know, I didn't know that initially. But yeah. when I've seen them live, they've always been awesome. They just yeah. have amazing intensity. Their music's super, you know, powerful. And I just don't see why people hate on them so much. Probably because of how they... When I first when I first saw them, like the video for the Fundamental Elements of Southtown back in the summer of 2000, I, I with all their tattoos and dreads and whatnot, the way they were rocking, I wouldn't get the impression they were they they were Christians. Yeah, it's just and, and you wouldn't. I don't even think you'd really be able to tell from their lyrics either. No, I mean they're not cursing or anything. They're not explicit or even any, doing anything vulgar at all. What would we consider vulgar? So yeah, but great band. I saw them with Lincoln Park. Uh, incredible show, and um, I will probably see them again soon. <laughs> I saw them. I saw them in HF Festival in two thousand one, and they're still putting out new albums. So. Yeah, yeah, they are. I mean, the only ones I have are the Fundamental Elements and, and Satellite. Satellite, yeah, that's that's an epic album. <laughs> oh yeah, it's fucking dope. <laughs> so our next song is by Mystical. So Mystical, the the track name is Jump, and this song uh, appears in the in the movie. When the, after that pile up, there's like that that big pile up. Oh yeah, um, madman. Yeah, yeah. Kelly just knocks this the the defensive lineman's like tooth out. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he's like payback's a bitch. He, he's bleeding on the floor, spitting out blood, and Pacino's like, Crozier, get your man under control." <laughs> yeah, the refs are like they're like even knocking the refs over into the yeah. pile. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's crazy, man. The madman was nuts. And mystical, yeah. He um, <laughs> yeah. This song was one of his early. His early productions with the Neptunes, they did the beat for this one. Okay. Yeah, yeah this is like a, a year before Shake Your Ass came out and hit big. Yeah, so like Chad Hugo and... Pharrell. Okay, yeah. Love the Neptunes, man, which was like, then that kind of developed into NERD, right? Like, yes, it did. Okay. The Neptunes got big. So, yeah, this... um, And then the the lyrics reflect the violence in the scene. Yeah. Clearly, it's like, you get tackled by the style I'm, I'm using. I got all, all my, my adversaries, adversaries cruising. cruising. Bruising with contusions. Yeah. Cuts and lacerations, broken, broken bones, bones open, open sores. Yeah, fits perfectly. And Mystical um, got that. Sorry, Mystical has a delivery that works great with a violent scene like that. Yeah, he's got that aggressive sounding voice. He does. He's aggressive as hell, but he stays on beat. Yeah, yeah. He just sounds. It almost sounds like he's screaming sometimes. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's like this Samuel L. Jackson parody from Chappelle show. It's like, can you stop yelling at me, please? No, I can't stop yelling because that's how I talk. <laughs> they should have got Mystical on the Chappelle <laughs> show. Yeah, he did. That would have been funny. Well, they got Little John, right? Or something, yeah. Because if rappers, all of them are comedians. He was in the, that. He was with No Limit at the time with Master P and them. And in '98, he did that he did that movie with them. I got the hookup. He was funny in that. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to check that one out. Um, I, I forgot to mention in our discussions, there's another track that is not on the sound official soundtrack. It's called Ultramarine. Yeah, and it's an instrumental that um, it comes a little bit after the the pile up scene, and um, it's it's seen in, or it's it's actually used in Heat, which yeah. my, which was directed by Michael Mann. And uh, in the in this movie, there's a lot of like homage to, to to Michael Mann, starting with Al Pacino starring in this movie. Yeah, and I mean it, it's a few years after Heat. I think Heat was done in '95, so this is like what? forty years later. Yeah, and um, Al Pacino kind of looks the same. I mean, more or less. Yeah, I mean he looks more haggard in this film, and Heat he he had that he, his hair was clearly dyed, but it's like more youthful brown, I guess. Yeah, and he was way more hammy and over the top in Heat. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, he still had some great, some great lines, some great lines and energy in this in this movie as he, well. He does that motivational speech. That's that's top five for me. Yeah, yeah. That's that's like yeah, the inches speech. The yeah. inches speech. But yeah, that 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 track comes in and it's just like an instrumental bass kind of uh, synthesizer track, and it and it was used to to go back to heat. It was used in that scene where um, they're staking out Wayne Grow and nothing's happening. So, um, so Pacino leaves the police station. He's like all pissed. He's like, and he didn't see when he tosses his TV out the car. Yeah. Or he, and then he, he walks out of the, the police station. He's like, bon voyage, motherfucker. He's like, <laughs> you are good. <laughs> yeah, he had, he had some, a lot of weird lines in that, in that film too, but like that one and the great ass line too. It's like in the original script, they said he's partly on Coke is why he's doing all that, but they didn't show that in the movie. Yeah. I think it, or his, like Michael Mann was saying that his character, he wrote his character, the um, Vincent Hanna character, uh, as if he was on coke. Like his mannerisms, yeah. he was just unpredictable. You know, he was. Yeah, he was unpredictable. Well, yeah, he like he just like hauls ass out of that parking lot uh-huh. and then like drives down and kicks the the TV out. And everyone's like, "Why? Why did he do that? Like, that yeah. was totally random." It was, yeah. But but yeah, even even him, even the scene before that with the TV was like, "You can ball my wife in her postmodernistic home, but you do not." Get to watch my fucking television. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that scene. But and, and it's funny because you, you know you've probably had those like moments at work too when you hop in your car and you're pissed and you just ball out of the parking lot. Yeah, I've had. I that. was like, I could relate to that. Like, I've had that too. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, "Bless Me, Father" by Pod. Our next track, which is like. An unreleased track by P.O.D. I couldn't find this. I couldn't find it anywhere myself either. It's not on the soundtrack. Yeah, it's um, not on the official soundtrack for for this this film. Um, but yeah, it's it's essentially played at the the end of the game or when they lose and they go back into the locker room. Mm-hmm. They um, they do uh, a, a prayer with the chaplain, yeah. the whole team, the sharks, and then after that, uh, it kind of transitions to like a, a montage or. And um, it's played. That song is played. And I was wondering who sang it. I was like, who the hell sings this song? Because it doesn't really sound like P.O.D. initially. It was them, yeah. And what's funny is as the song's playing and as the father is leading leading the whole team in prayer, the one thing he says is, that, that, which is a harp back to platoon, I think, there are no atheists in foxholes. That's a good catch, yeah. I didn't even... I didn't even make that connection, but that is a, that's a huge uh, call out there. And um, yeah, I mean, it just I think the, the title of the song pretty much matches up with the scene. It's a it's a yeah. it's a the sharks know, need something. They need he, some kind of miracle. Yeah, they need some other miracle. And then we transition into the, the Cap One and Noriega song. Capone and Noriega. Or Capone. Sorry. <laughs> or just CNN. That works, too. CNN. Yeah. God. Yeah, I'm having a I'm although, trouble pronouncing today. Although, although in fairness, in fairness, there is a Chicago rapper named Cap One. Cap One, yeah, yeah. Capone. Capone Noriega. <laughs> they're from Queens, and this is their first time back together since Capone went to jail too, a few years prior. Okay, and uh, the the song's titled "Reunion," which yeah. I think is pretty fitting for the scene where he's, um, you know, Willie Beeman is kind of reuniting with his his girlfriend mm-hmm. after the game. They're watching the, the highlight, highlight reel. reel. Yeah. <laughs> and Willie calls his mother and she's like, why didn't you tell me you're going to be on live TV, baby? <laughs> and he's like, show, they show the highlight reel shows <laughs> him puking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny, man. Yeah, it is. It is. And they're really fast paced with the highlight reels and a lot of that stuff too. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's a kind of, you know, his girlfriend – 
is is happy for him, embarrassed but happy for him. Yeah, Leela Rashan, yeah, yeah, and uh, I think that matches up well with the 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 lyrics. When um you know you look at him, I'm glad you're home, so we could take over the world. It's ours to own, and it's a dope song too. I mean, Nori he does the first verse, and the second verse is him and Capone tag teaming rhymes. Yeah, and the last verse Capone just does that one himself. Yeah, yeah. It there's there's a and, and that's what I love about this soundtrack is it's just so many good like songs and there's a mixture of all those genres hip hop R&B I, it's a sign of the times i think the soundtrack was yeah and 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 a lot of other people i was like reading about this soundtrack gave it you know high uh high claims and and just really liked it so it's pretty 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 baller um so the next song uh smoky robinson cruising Oh yeah, another uh, you know Oliver Stone. He likes he likes Smokey Robinson. He used Smokey Robinson and Platoon. Yes, he did. And now he's uh, he's reusing or or using Smokey Robinson uh, Smokey Robinson again in this in this film. <clears throat> the song is not actually um, on the on, on the, the actual soundtrack. soundtrack, but um, works well because like in the scene. Um, uh, you know, the model's getting drunk at the bar by himself, and you can see the camera go from his point of view, where he's like really has that whole dizzy, circular sensation. Yeah, he's kind of out of it. He's like, oh, you know, he's burned out after that tough loss. Yeah, and he, and he, and he after a loss, he just sits there and just wonders, thirty years, why do I still do this for? Yeah, and then when when you look at like the the song lyrics for cruising, it's essentially, um, you know, the song is about you know romance. Yeah. And it, there, I think there's a line in there where um, they talked about one night stands because, uh, you know, the the actress from I always remember her from Showgirls. It's Elizabeth Berkeley. Uh, Berkeley yeah. I mainly remember from Saved by the Bell. So, yeah, she was in that, too. Yeah. So her her transition from Saved by the Bell to Showgirls, that's still in a lot of people's minds even now. Yeah. Which is kind of a shame because I think she's a good actress. She's she, really good. Yeah. Showgirls just a real dud in her career. But when we look, you know, back to those lyrics, uh, it says, and if you want to go, if you want, if you want it, you got it forever. This is not a one night stand. Let the music take your mind. Oh, just release and you will find. And I think it's kind of, uh, there's some irony there because the song is not about having a one night stand, but that's what. It is a one night stand with, with money involved. Yeah. And, um. Mandy, that's what Mandy, the character who's played by. um, Mandy Murphy. Mandy Murphy. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what essentially she she offers them. She's a hooker. Yeah, she's a hooker. She even says so. She's like, I got a place, a thousand, five thousand for the night. Yeah, five thousand, five thousand for the night. I'm like you. you, you. I'm like your pussy better be super. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just it, it's it's a it's a good song to use. I like I like. Um, I just it always makes me think of platoon, you know, with that one scene where they're dancing. Where around. they're dancing, they're high. The tracks in my tears. Yeah, he has. St- so, I mean, Stone. He really, he really got more heavy into music back when he was in Vietnam. He got exposed to a lot of other shit that he didn't get to when he was in New York and Connecticut growing up. Yeah, yeah, and um, and I think that's what he, he had said. Um, he learned a lot about music, uh, in Vietnam. That's where he learned about the Doors or discovered the Doors. Yeah, and a lot of like R and B music and. Aretha Franklin and that that type of the, uh, that genre. So, definitely a cool song. We go to our next one by Overseer. It's called Stomp Box, and the scene that this song is played in is when Willie scrambles um, into the secondary, and it's the the Sharks Rhino game. The second game? Uh, yeah, I believe it's the second game. Oh yeah, that was that was a fun game to watch. They had a lot of songs in that one. Yeah, and this is like reminds me of like industrial type of like Nine, Nine Inch, Inch Nails, Nails. kind of. 
sound to it. I felt that too, actually. Yeah. So yeah, he scrambles out and he just gets crushed by the by the secondary. Yeah, but he I does. guess he gets a first down. And, he gets a first down and gets a touchdown pass. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's it's 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 cool. Definitely fit it fits the vibe of like the intense vibe where he's just running and they do that kind of shaky camera work where he's like dodging people and it it, it works really well. It does, yeah, it does. It's like the human eye moving so fast. It's I think hard that, to keep up with it. I th- that was another thing I wanted to talk about was the cinematography in this movie is just really well done. It is some of the long football shots where like they show the actual like spiral oh, yeah. and then landing into like the wide receiver's hands. I'm like, damn, that is really good camera work. It is, yeah, yeah, and and the, and even the spiral itself too—the perfect spiral that the, that the actors would throw. Yeah, you know, whether it was Dennis Quaid or Jamie Foxx, is like, yo, yo, y'all probably could have gone pro. <laughs> yeah, they they definitely looked like they they did their homework and practice on on throwing. They probably just like the, in the movie Heat, how military officers use the uh, the scene where um Val Kilmer where he switches clips. Yeah, and the military officer says, "See, that's how fast you got to be. If you can't do it as fast as that actor, you can't be here." Yeah, they probably you. Football coaches probably use shit from this movie too to motivate players. Yeah, they used it like I think the Marines or the Army used this. Like if you like, just like you said, if you can't change a mag, mm-hmm. you're you're not gonna belong in my army or something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they I think they both do a lot of prep. Uh, Michael Mann and Oliver Stone for their movies and make sure their actors are prepared. Oh, they do. Like in Platoon, like when he had them out in the Philippines for like twelve weeks, yeah, yeah and had them all, had them living off like army rations. Living like how soldiers were living in Vietnam. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the real deal, right? You had yeah. Dale Dye out there. Yeah, enforced method acting. Yeah, <laughs> enforced method acting. <laughs> so let's go to our new song. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you, okay. I'm let you do this one because I don't want to have a Michael Richards moment or All a right, Kramer. It? <laughs> it's DMX. It's DMX, a Yonkers rapper who was big at the time, signed to Def Jam Rough Riders. The song is called "My Niggers." <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was used during the scene where the sharks are finally catching up. And if you recall, it starts with, you will not take this from me, baby. <laughs> you do a good DMX impersonation. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what's it called? The um, Like you said, the song is played when the Sharks offense is a powerful drive. Willie Beeman, he throws a pass to Jimmy Sanderson. That's Bill Bellamy's character. Yeah. I think he, he's supposed to be like Jerry Rice and a mix of Jerry Rice and Barry Sanders, I guess. Yeah, I always think of him, Bill Bellamy, wasn't he on MTV? Yeah, he was an MTV VJ for many years. Yeah. And then he, he did that one movie, uh, How to Be a Player, which was produced by Def Jam. Yeah, yeah, and um, he did a good job. I mean, he, I think I feel like his, he didn't have like as much of a part like he, as some of the other players, like LL Cool J. LL Cool J had more of a part here where we got to see this character. Um, Sanderson, though, he's... um. The one scene I remember that shows some depth about his character is where he's looking in the mirror saying, I am the greatest receiver that ever lived. I can catch anything. Yeah. Yeah, he was having his like Muhammad Ali moment where I'm, he's like, I'm the greatest. I am the greatest. Yeah, and considering how they showed him in the movie, it's like, yeah, he's a good receiver. Yeah, I like this song, man. This is like... It's, it's energy. Swiss Beats was behind the beat too. It's so intense. It's just... Uh, it is. And it just gets you going. And I remember DMX was just so popular... In during this time, during really, this time. I mean, like, that late nineties or maybe early two thousands, and around the time this this uh, movie came out in the soundtrack, he just released his third album, um, and then there was X, which was hugely popular. And that was his best selling album too. And then he had a film career as well. He did some, a few other movies with Jet Li, and he did Belly a year before this. Okay, and that was uh, was that an album name or or no. what, it's actually a movie? Movie. It was him, Nas, Method Man. Okay, 
Okay, cool. New York crime drama. Nice, nice. Yeah, and then um, it just works well, and they're on a roll. Essentially, the sharks they're just ha- they're having this great drive where they're, you know, making first downs, moving the chains, and it just works perfectly. Oh, yeah, and another thing to another thing that happened too in this scene was what's it called? Um, <laughs> the football scene where what's it called? A player gets injured because of Willie McKenna, I think his name is. And <laughs> James Woods, he has to go out there. He's like, he's got a descendant knee, the whole thing, the whole thing, Tony. He's not going to be up. Not going to be up. How long is he going to be out? If he's lucky, Easter. <laughs> There's the humor again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Um, this was off uh, DMX's album, Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood. And that was his second album, his second album that he released in the same year as his first album, too. And they both went to number one. No other artist has done that before, even to this day. Yeah. I was I was reading that about him and that album cover man is like intense. He's like covered blood, in like blood. fake blood. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's flesh in- of my flesh, blood of my blood. Yeah, man, it's pretty crazy. And then we go to the that next song by Roger, so rough, so tough, and that was played when they uh, when LL Cool J arrives on the boat on the boat with yeah. all of his like you know, you know a couple girls. <laughs> He's dressed in like a pimp suit with the with the the red pimp suit with the hat. <laughs> What's the name of my team? Sharks. That's right. <laughs> it was funny is like i don't know if i don't know if you know this about jamie fox and ll cool j how they like were were beefing on the set and like getting in they got into a, like a fight or something and the police were called was that real uh i believe it was and th- it's funny because jamie fox is a comedian and was doing stand-up yeah and he he, he was mentioning the, that incident and he's like he's like he's like you know ll cool j he wears like lip gloss <laughs> <laughs> he licks his lips all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Just but Jamie Foxx is so versatile, man. That guy does like everything. He's like he does. a comedian. He's an actor. He's like a singer. singer you know. He's gotten a Grammy. He's gotten an Emmy. He's gotten the Academy Award. Yeah. And, and and Michael Mann also used him in Collateral. Which he also was nominated for for Best Supporting Actor. And then Miami Vice with uh, – he played um, – Tubbs. Tubbs, yeah. So uh, there's the there's that whole parallel between Michael Mann and uh, Oliver Stone again. Yeah, there right? is. There is future parallel notwithstanding, but still. Yeah, yeah. And what was it? This scene, yeah, so rough, so tough. The whole funk groove thing. I know Snoop probably sampled that for what's it called for um, uh, what's my name from his first album, Doggy Style. Okay. And when you mentioned LL with the lip, how Jamie Foxx said LL got lip gloss. Remember, people keep saying he licks his lips because he does coke. Well, he was doing it in the bathroom in one of these scenes. Yeah, which is ironic, right? Because they're like throwing a like fundraiser for, for the Dare. Dare program. Yeah. Oh, geez, he's and, like these are wonderful uh, role models here. The mayor's <laughs> talking about all the players. Yeah, and then you see you guys of the scene where um, uh, Jamie Foxx's girl's trying to ingratiate herself with ingratiate herself with the players' girlfriends and whatnot, but it's not working. So the scene cuts the. LL and Bill Bellamy in the bathroom of them hookers. Just pulling off her shirt, doing coke off her titty. It's just, yeah, it's just <laughs> it's just mayhem in there. And It is, and Bill Bellamy's like, he's in the bathroom getting head from a blama, smoking a cigar. He's like, yo, Jay, you know what this one bitch said to me? My sausage don't look right. <laughs> and he sneezes on her, spits champagne in her face. Yeah, I mean, it's, and it, you know, probably believable, yeah. not verifiable, or I don't I, know. but some, some of those athletes probably do that. I mean, it's, yeah, I'm sure there's crazy stuff that goes on, but, you know. Um, it definitely made the movie a little bit more interesting. I mean, it definitely did. It's like they're showing the dark side of pro football. Absolutely, yeah. And then this, I've never heard. Like, I guess Roger is is that um, Roger like, Trout? It's like an is it R and B R and B artist? Yeah, a Roger Troutman, I think it is. Yeah, and um, the lyrics so rough, so tough out here, baby. So rough, you know, just keeps going on and on repeat. And um, 
I think that really matches up. They're kind of on a high, you know, after won, after that game, yeah. Yeah. Which is uh which is kind of funny cuz they uh then they end up doing the drugs in the bathroom. But Yeah, yeah, they do. But it was so it was so fast-paced. I mean, they're in the bathroom with all those girls and the next scene you see LL and Bill Bellamy back in their suits again on the dance floor. Yeah. I'm like the splinter chronology here. What what what's <laughs> what goes first? They're just uh they're good at um, you know, uh you know, cleaning making sure up. they look. Yeah, they're good at cleaning up. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's exactly what I was gonna say. <laughs> and then we go to our um, our next track, "Trick Daddy Boy," which is, um, I believe, this was played on that airplane when um, yeah. everybody's wilding on the airplane, gambling or whatever. But Willie, he's in the zone. Yeah, and he's listening to "Trick Daddy" on his headphones. Yeah, he's like, "What you listen to? Uh, Trick Daddy." Oh, uh, you heard him? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. I'm like, no, you haven't. Yeah, it's like you know he hasn't heard of them. Like, you need to put you on to some jazz. I'll make you a tape. We got CDs now. Oh, well, never mind then. <laughs> yeah. Now neither one of those. You can say never mind of both now. It's kind of like the old guard meets the new guard, right? Like, kind of, yeah. But Bill, Willie is so focused on what's it called on the music and and what, reading the plays that he's hardly even listening to the coach at all. Yeah, or and I feel like the the song really um kind of conveys a sense that Willie can't relate relate at all to 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 Tony. No, you know, no Tony he... Tony's trying to find something in common with him and like, you know, he's like, you know, my father passed away, you yeah. know, but it's like Willie's just not having it. He just doesn't re- doesn't the, relate to He can't to relate to the coach at all. Yeah, and it's like and it kind of reflects what's it called Cameron Diaz's character too, the young owner Christina Pagniacci. How she can't relate to Tony's old school methods, and that's why she brought Aaron Eckhart's character in, Nick Crozier, the offensive coordinator, to replace him later on with his new high tech statistics style of of of, um, of coaching. Yeah, yeah, and um, I think the lyrics really kind of convey that sense of not relating to um, Willie, not relating to Tony uh, as well. You know, you can't catch me, boy. Don't upset me, boy. Touch. Touch me, my dog. Oh, what's your boy? boy? Never, Never disrespect me, boy. Dog, dog you, you better, better check your boy. boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go, man. But um, yeah, a lot of a lot of trick that. And this song wasn't actually on this. Uh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't on the soundtrack. But there. But there's another song in this soundtrack that's by Trick Daddy. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that song, and that was big when I was in high school too. Shut up. Yeah, uh-huh. that's what it was called. Okay. What's up? Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> so we go to LL Cool J now. And I, you know, coincidentally, his song is in the movie, right? Coincidentally. Yeah. yeah. Shut mm-hmm. him down. That was a hit, actually. Yeah, it's good. I think it works well, too, because, um, you know, it's played. Uh, I think it's the third game. Not the third. Or the the against the Crusaders. I believe that's um, maybe the second game. I think it was the third game because they, sh- the first game they lost, the second game they won, and then they go to the um, this is the one where Dick Butkus I think is the coach of the team, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. The defense comes back on the field um, after Willie Beeman fumbles, and then um, they just essentially make a huge stop, a huge tackle, and I guess that's where that's where this song it just matches up perfectly because the defense shuts down the the opposing offense. Oh yeah, they do. Yes, they do. Yeah, they shut them down. So, yeah, uh, good song, um, good beats. Yeah, um, who did the beat? DJ scratched the beat for that one. And which is ironic, they play a LL Cool J song for the defense because his character, Julian Washington, he's on the offense as a running back. 
Yeah. He's a good running back, but as Pacino puts it, he's a merc. He'll be gone in a year. Yeah, he's going to be a free agent, or he's a, he'll be a free agent. So Yeah, contract incentives are all that motivate his character, and even Jamie Foxx's character called him out for that. Yeah. He's so he's so condescending to to Aaron Eckhart's character Nick like, Crozier. He's like the, he's like he's like you're an offensive coordinator, Crozier. Like, yeah, says his name like that. Yeah, he says just like like when someone says your name after the your first name after in a certain way after they finish telling you off is like they're trying to it's like your name synonymous with shut up. Yeah, they're just trying to like sh- like slam it in your face, you know. Yeah. <laughs> But then we, you know, we go to the our next song by Metallica, Motor Breath. I like this. This is in the locker room after the game. After they won the game, yeah, yeah. So they're they're playing. I believe that song by Roger that we were just talking about. So rough, so tough. Yeah, they were playing that. Playing that, and then um, the offensive lineman, what's his name, Kelly, Batman yeah. Kelly, starts to he starts blaring the, uh, the Metallica Metallica. Song. So you have like a collision of uh, of the rap music, and then you have the, the heavy metal, metal music, and he's like, Headfield is gone. <laughs> That's all. That whole locker room scene was great. Yeah. And when Cameron Diaz walks in, everybody gets all silent, but she's not phased. She's she, guys with their dicks out and whatnot. She just shaking their hands. Yeah, yeah I was very surprised. I was like, whoa. I was like, yeah. rated R. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like that movie Wild Things. You ever see that? Where I, I, I think snuck, I snuck into that when I was a freshman. Yeah. yeah. I think Kevin Bacon's junk was hanging out in that movie. Too, it was, but, but I, I, just randomly. It was, yeah. But I, that ain't why I went to go see it, though. No, yeah. No, no, <laughs> no. You went for uh, Denise Richards, right? And, and Nev, Nev Campbell. Campbell. <laughs> when I heard about that trilogy scene, I was like, sign me up. <laughs> Yeah, th- yeah, that was that movie was famous for that. Definitely famous for that. Um, but this is the, you know in Hetfield, he's he's talking about Hetfield, James Hetfield, the lead singer for Metallica. Yeah, um, Metallica. I think this album was um, Kill Kill Everyone. Is I think the album was Kill Everyone or don't know which one. The only Metallica albums I got are their Black album and what's it called and For Justice for All. Okay. There's so many of them, I just lose track. There are, yeah. <laughs> but the, this song's not on the official soundtrack, but the... Um, he brought the snake, or, or the, alligator the alligator in the shower. The alligator in the shower, Madman yeah, Kelly. When, when, when the black player said, you can't dance in none of this, he's like, oh yeah, I got something for y'all, watch this. Yeah. Then and brings the alligator, they all shut up and get scared. And this guy's like, please don't, please don't bite me. Uh-huh. <laughs> in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think the, the lyrics real match up with that scene. Uh, very well they're all missing on what life's about you only live once so hold uh take hold of the chance don't end up like the others the same song and dance yeah football is not the only life for you guys yeah yeah it's and like you, it got it has rewards but you got to use them yeah but i think it's also kind of touching on that you know you only live once only so, live once so you know have fun and, and enjoy it Oh so. yeah, I think that, I think that's kind of what it was about, though. Really, what's it called? The whole alligator in the shower thing. Yeah, have have fun. Yeah, have know? fun with it. Yeah, it's no harm, really. So, the next song by Billie Holiday, "I Can't Face the Music." I lo- I like this one. How they they use this this song. I love um, <laughs> I love the scene though. What's it called? Beeman comes to the door with flowers. Yeah, like I got your flowers. Oh, you shouldn't have. Then he walks in and he realizes Shark told him to bring flowers for Tony. Right. Then he comes in this door and he realizes Shark played him on that because of all the plants that Tony's got around. Yeah. He's like, Shark, you motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Well, like he doesn't need any more of those, right? Like, right, yeah. <laughs> how many fucking plants you need in that house? 
<laughs> and I like the look, the puzzled look on like Tony's face. He's like, why did you give me this? Like, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, this is the scene where, like you said, uh, Willie, Willie goes to have, have lunch, I believe, with Tony. Yeah, and- the dinner, the jambalaya. I'm not a good cook, but you got to try my jambalaya. <laughs> the way he says jambalaya. Yeah, it's like you can't even say it right. You can't even cook it right based on what Jamie Foxx said. <laughs> yeah. And then they sit down and have dinner, and essentially, uh, this song is playing in the background, kind of faintly. Yeah, um, you have to like kind of listen listen close uh, to it, and you, I don't believe you can really hear lyrics either. But yeah, because so much distraction is going on. You got the dialogue between D'Amato and Willie, then you have the interspersed scenes of like the gladiator films and the western films, and on top of that, the Billy Holiday song. Yeah, and and there's a lot going on. But the title, I feel like, matches up with Willie's emotions completely. Yeah, he's not listening to Tony at all. Tony's telling him what's it called. What's it called? This is all in one day. Telling him to stop disrespecting the people that create the plays by changing them in the huddles. Yeah. And basically telling him, like, get your ego under control. And and Willie's deflecting all of this. He's like, it's not my fault, you know. Yeah. I... I, I I got I lost some money, you know, because of this incident where he had took he had taken uh, money from like a booster, like yeah, for he, for a suit, a three hundred dollars suit for a kid's wedding that he didn't even know, and he didn't know that was against the rules. So he dropped like in the draft, and then he was moved to cornerback, where he immediately got injured. This is where you find out really more about the the shoulder injury because yeah. you see hints of it when they're playing in that volleyball scene where all of the the sharks are playing volleyball with those. Very attractive, oh yeah, looking girls in Miami beach volleyball, and then you see Willie kind of grabbing his shoulder. Um, you see a little bit of it in that scene, earlier scene where he's with his girlfriend after the first game, where he's got a he's got an ice pack on his shoulder. Yeah, but I saw um, that. but you don't really know much about it until later on. But yeah, this um, Billy Holiday is a classic. Um, I think it's kind of cool how they used Billy Holiday. Um, in relation to Tony D'Amato's character, because he does say that his wife, or not his wife, his dad, um, passed away in World War II. Yeah, they showed like a scene for that later on in the film about when him and his mother were informed about his father's death when he was a child. Yeah, and it like and it, it also reflects the the musical taste of Tony. He's a big jazz fan. Yeah, well, and Billie Holiday was also played a lot during World War II. The World War II, yeah. It's a, in a way, he's stuck in the past. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, you know, you go back to, to the lyrics. I'm going to end this misery. I'm almost crazy because I can't face face the music without singing the blues. That could go for that could go for either Tony or Willie, really. Yeah. I mean, Tony's been in this for 30 years now. And Christina's telling him to hang it up. But football is all Tony knows. Yeah. All he wants to know. I mean, it's just like the character in Heat. And another parallel to that. When Vincent tells a uh, Vincent Hanna tells uh, De Niro's character, Neil McCauley, he's like, I don't know how to do nothing else. Neither do I. Don't want to learn either. Neither do I. And then he, and then he says the that line, all I all I am is what I'm going after. Yeah. So, yeah, there's another heat parallel. <laughs> and both of them, both of them gave up a wife and family domestic life for, for, for their profession. Yeah. Like there are several times in the film where Pacino's character, he calls his ex-wife and wants to meet with his son, who in a deleted scene is played by James Caviezel, Jesus. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I did. I don't think I saw that scene. Um so who like was what what films were he in? Jim Caviezel. He was in a The Passion of the Christ. He's most okay. famous for that. Okay. He was in Deja Vu with Denzel. He was the main bad guy. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. 
so th- we go to that Trick Daddy song next that we were talking about, Shut Up. Oh, yeah, the party at uh, Lawrence Taylor's house. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so funny because Willie Beeman pulls up in his yellow uh, Suburban uh-huh. and he parks on the lawn. lawn. And then the guy's like, the, the bouncer's getting all angry at him. And uh, then he sees who it is. He sees Willie and he's like, oh, well, don't worry. Hey, Willie, how's it going? Hey, Willie, how's it good? It's cool. It's cool. And it definitely reflects the, the, the vibe in that scene where – you know he's essentially uh-huh. this this song is like uh-huh okay, okay what's what, up shut up shut up <laughs> yeah it just works perfectly uh and then um that party's crazy though i mean as soon as he walks in and what's it called and it's interspersed with this scene where he's being interviewed with mcginley's uh jack rose character yeah and um <laughs> he's up here talking about like what's up, how many black quarterbacks are there all them living in the white man's world yeah he sees LT, gives him dab, and told him, you fucked me on that whole flowers thing. He's like, oh, yeah, I know, I know, but check this out. Okay, blowjobs upstairs, pussies over over there. <laughs> and your wife and kids aren't home. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's like crazy town in there, man. It is, dude. It's like, okay, I would like to be at one of those parties one of these days. <laughs> They're living the, the celeb life, right? Sport, uh-huh. Sports and celeb life. Like sports, sports, sex, drugs, all that. <laughs> yeah, and and... and you just see it escalate, you know, because of because of Willie Beeman. Yeah, and 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 he goes up to 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 Bill Bellamy's character, uh, Sanderson. I yeah, believe it, Sanderson and um, Julian Washington, and he starts like just talking smack to them. Yeah, He's talking. Like, she first he starts talking shit about the defense, and LL tries to put him shit like, uh, uh-uh, don't let Shark hear you say that shit. All right, like fuck Shark, and goes after LL, and LL's like. And as egotistical as Julian Washington is, he says, "Motherfucker, you gotta earn the right to diss somebody else in this team. Kiss my Armani ass." <laughs> he's like, he's like, I've I've done everything for this team. I, man, I'll end your life. That's I'll take your fucking life. <laughs> yeah, man, it's a, it's a pretty crazy scene, but this song, yeah, works works perfectly. You know, with the whole thing, you know, like it does. Uh huh. What's up? Okay, shut up and to then, the bouncer. <laughs> and then L and then LT flips it. Shark flips it on what's it called on Willie when he hears Willie was talking. She's like, "What?" Gets out of the hot tub. And the scene goes to him sawing his yeah. sawing his truck in half. And that's when they're playing. They're playing uh, that other song. Well, the song uh, that played earlier in the film um, by Capone. Oh and yeah, the CNN during the CNN. reunion. Yeah, yeah. They start playing that. You hear it in the background again. Uh-huh. It's pre- it's pretty good, and it and it definitely fits uh, perfectly with that scene but then we go to uh jamie fox um you hear you hear uh part of this song and it's played at the end of the film as well on the ending credits it is yeah with that montage that they're showing of like a, a willie going back to his family and whatnot yeah showing him have like an ounce gaining more than an ounce of humility at the end yeah and they so they they also play this song by jamie fox um, and then you have, you know, uh, Guru, Guru and Common. Yeah, Guru from Gangstar, R.I.P. and Common from Chicago. Yeah. So you, the song's played when he's essentially the scene we were just talking about where he's talking to uh, Bill Bellamy's character and um, Ju- Ju- uh, Julian Washington. Yeah. yeah. Sanderson and Washington. Yeah. Yeah. You hear it playing in the background. <clears throat> and uh, it's just, I think it highlights again how Jamie, like I was saying previously, how awesome jamie fox is like just he's so versatile he does so many different things he does and he did that song with kanye west uh, gold digger which you know he's singing a, a hook you know and that yeah from ray charles basically emulating ray charles yeah he was in ray he won an academy award for that oh yeah i mean the guy is he's just epic he's, and, he's fun to watch too even even if he does stand up now it's still funny yeah yeah exactly and then the the, the lines you know the lyrics in this song you know fit perfectly with the themes of the of, of the film and his character through the times are getting wicked 
I'm getting, or I'm sorry, through the times are getting wicked. I'm older. I got a chip, chip on, on my shoulder. shoulder. True players always maintaining. I'm different. I told you. I don't want to be just a commodity. I'm a smarter G. And that's exactly what he was telling uh, LL Cool J. He was like, he's like, man, you got to be, he's like, you're all about the money. You got to be smarter. You know, yeah. that's, and he was just essentially dissing LL Cool J. He was really. I mean, the way he was saying it, it was a diss. Yeah. So. Then we go to uh, the next game that they're playing. It's against the Knights, I believe. The da- uh, oh yeah, that day where they were where they were just losing. Yeah, uh, it's it's the montage, I believe, before the the they're getting ready for the game. The Sharks against the uh, Dallas Knights. Oh yeah, the final game. Yeah, yeah, it's Moby uh, Gracioso. I love this song. Um, it, it's just it definitely helps. Like it's just it's an instrumental, but. Um, there's like a small vocal in there, but it's not. There's no words. There's it's no just, words. Just the, the music speaks for itself. Just like another Moby song that was used in the final, the final four seconds of that game. Yeah, my weakness is what it was called. Yeah, yeah. When he, when Jamie Foxx he just leaps over, gets in the end zone, and everybody's like, "Did he get it? Did he get it? Touchdown!" Yeah, and everyone goes crazy. That was but, like the Rocky moment. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's another nod, I guess. You know, back to I keep harping on with the Michael Mann. You know how he uses certain music. He used Moby in a lot of his films. Yeah, he did. Um, he's used him in uh, what's what's it? The um, Ali, another film that we are we yeah. also covered. Oh yeah, we did. But um, yeah, it's 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 definitely works there and and um, a great a great piece as well. Then we go to Paul Kelly piece. Oh, this was good. Yeah, this is for the inches speech. Yeah, this fit perfectly with that that scene, the and, Pacino scene. Yeah, and it's kind of like you would. I almost think it, it's like a juxtaposition almost because you have this really calm like song, like this acoustic guitar playing in the background. It's very like mellow, but the, the, the speech that he's given the inches speech is like, so it's full of like energy and it is passion. It's, so it like, and it's very, and it's, and he just leaves his flaws and it's like, believe it or not, I pissed all my money away and chased off everyone who ever tried to love me. Yeah. So, it kind of fits in with the sorrow portion of Al Pacino or D'Amato's speech. Yeah. Uh, um, it does, yeah. But it's kind of like they're all riled up at the end of it, so they're all you know getting yep. amped up, and you would think maybe there's a, another song they would have picked. Yeah, something more energetic. Yeah, yeah or but motivational. But this song just like it – I don't know. It, it works. It fits the emotional tone of the scene, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it does. And, so. then, and this scene right here, the whole speech, including the music behind it, that's often – it's often given as one of the best motivational speeches in a film yeah. ever. If you look up any one of their lists, that's on it, along with like Bill Pullman's president speech from Independence Day. Yeah, it's definitely one of the top motivational speeches um, you know I've I've ever heard. Um, there were some in you know I think of other sports movies like Blue Chips. You yeah, know, there were Nick Nolte's. <laughs> some of his some of his speeches that he gave yeah. uh to the players you know he's like what is this you know he's like drawing the heart he's like it's a goddamn heart <laughs> that's what it is wow you guys are really smart <laughs> yeah. there's very like i mean there's very few sports movies that i think are are actually like hold up but like this movie uh, any given Sunday, like I was saying, the unnecessary roughness. Blue Chips is another great one. There's a few baseball movies I like, but um, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely one of the best motivational um, speeches I've seen. This this song is actually used in uh, the scene where 
Pacino is drunk and he's uh, calling his ex-wife. Oh yeah, earlier in the film. Earlier yeah. in the film, yeah, I, I realized it when I rewatched it. And he's stumbling around the bathroom. Yeah, and he's like, "Fuck!" <laughs> like he if hits like leave, If you like to leave a message, yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. So um, that's kind of a pretty funny scene as well. Oh yeah, it is. I like this next track that we're gonna talk, or that will Bill Bill Withers. This was used great in the film, yes, and it was also used in The Wire too. It was the first season, Orlando's at Orlando's where yeah, the, the strip uh, bar, yeah, yeah, the very first episode, the pilot episode, yeah. I love this track, and um, I never like I heard it. I feel like I've heard this a million times, but I never knew who sang it. I've heard it a million times too, but never even bothered to listen to the lyrics until. Until recently, when I rewatch any given Sunday, yeah, it's called it's by Bill Withers. It's called "Use Me" and works perfectly because you know Cap is, is he's back in the game. This is his first game back. Yeah, and he just feels like he's being he's being used essentially because you know his he's kind of like a broke down semi broke down engine. Yeah, I mean, his mind is still sharp. Clearly, I mean, he can still see where the ball goes. He still got camaraderie with his players and whatnot, as we as evidence in the huddle when they're happy to have him back. Yeah, and he makes some reference about a disc. Like he's like, they're like, oh, you're, you're your disc, little- your disc still spinning, baby. Like your favorite CD player, baby. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, love this song. It's kind of um, I would say it's like an R and B song, or I say like a jazz soul. Jazz, yeah. I say jazz soul, yeah, because the way the way it was used. Yeah, like a Cap is Cap is doing good at first, but you know, based on the lyrics, he's gonna he's about to break down, and he and he does. We find he out does. that last run where he he Gets ends up scoring, he like scores a touchdown, but he like dives in there. And you can just see the pain when he gets hit. Yeah, you just know see, it's over. Yeah, it's like, over. You put put Willie back in, and even in the locker room, what's it called? Pacino tells him, "There's no shame if you want to get out of the game right now." And then Christina Pagniacci has to come down and make it worse with her stupidity. Yeah, and um. When he when when he after he gets up after that hit and he scores the touchdown, there's like a we see the ghost again that like yeah. that kind of dark silhouette of that person like, like in the stands. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you see it and you just know it's like all right, it's over. It's like, over. You just chill, chill, chill. You can be offensive coordinator after Crozier gets promoted to coach or whatever, and you you notice what's it called? His wife after Cap gets taken out of the game is on the silence. His wife isn't seen anywhere after that. She probably got up and left. Yeah, she was. I hated her character, man. Long she like Holly. Yeah, she slaps a she slaps Dennis Quaid in the in the film, and I'm just like, uh, that's Dennis Quaid, lady. Yeah, it was like, well, you just knew you could see who who wore the pants in that relationship. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, even even Dennis Quaid's dialogue, really, he uses like 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 corny old school antiquated colloquialisms, like you know, coach, you know, Willie don't give a gee whiz about nobody in here but himself. Don't give a gee willicker <laughs> about nobody. I'm like, you you don't curse for nothing. You're Captain America, Boy Scout. <laughs> it's kind of like Oliver Stone making fun of um like it's got a little bit of racial humor in there I think with uh you know he I was watching Nixon and I'm, I listened to the behind the scenes uh-huh. uh commentary and he's like you know he's talking about some of the characters in Nixon he's like yeah it's just a bunch of white guys talking you know <laughs> <laughs> so maybe he was kind of taking that approach with that with uh with Cap Rooney that yeah, character yeah. he's like yeah it's just a bunch of white guys talking probably yeah that's probably what it was <laughs> <laughs> but um man the lyrics the lyrics for for use me are great too they just match up perfectly with the scene it's my friends feel it's their appointed duty they keep trying to tell me all you want to do is use me which i think is kind of goes back to D'Amato telling him you know hey you can 
you can you can be in that you can be in the game. I know you can play. He's like, just do it this one time. You're right. Yeah. And then some of the other lyrics is, but my answer, yeah, to all all of that, use me stuff is I want to spread the news that if it feels good, it's good get, get used. used. Yeah. So, yep. It uh. And kind of and it parallels today too. It's like Tom Brady. He's the oldest quarterback in the league right now. But and people say people often say he's done. He's finished. And while he has shown some signs this season of slowing down a little bit, not by much. I just don't understand why that guy would. I know they love the game. I love like quarterbacks and some players really love the game. Some some of them do it for money too. But I would be worried for him, like just about messing up my my head. You know, or getting a concussion and not being able to. He's got a concussion before, yeah, and it's like. I mean, is it, sometimes you think to yourself, "Is it really worth it?" Yeah. I mean, you got the you don't do it for money. Clearly, I mean, not when you got that three hundred million dollar wife of his. Yeah. But if he's got competitive drive and it shows, and more power to him. I just feel like it's it's kind of like that. He's kind of, he's kind of at that point where it's like, why don't you just quit while you're ahead instead of like becoming like that um, character, you know, like Lawrence Taylor uh, character in the movie. Yeah. Um, or like Jim, what Jim Brown says in the movie, he's like, "Do you want to be that old boxer who can't remember? Someone's around can't remember who he is anymore." Yeah, yeah. So maybe going back to like the some of the things, um, like boxing, you know, some of the boxing issues with, uh, that we saw in like Ali, just with oh, yeah. people getting injured. You know, Muhammad Ali himself, he, you know, him getting Parkinson oh, and not being able to like function because of some of those hits exactly yeah it's like his mind was so sharp but his body wasn't following yeah it's just tragic you know but i think it's one of like we said before one of those great uh kind of themes that that any given sunday touches on that a lot of football movies have not touched on no they haven't really a lot of them are just more comedic than anything else even the boxing movies touching it too like you said rocky movies they touch on it yeah yeah definitely so we go to uh, another. This we go to another track here, where this is actually on the official uh, soundtrack. It's by Goody Mob, Goody Soul, Mo- Sun- yeah, Soul Sunday, Goody Mob. Yeah, they're um, Outcast affiliates. They're from ATL. They're they're a dope hip hop group. Yeah, and and Out- Outcast is actually featured on this track as yes. well. Um, I really like this one. This was this was uh, played, I believe, towards the end of the game, close to the end of the game, close to the end of the game. Back when Willie he takes over as quarterback from Cap. Yeah. And yeah, they start having they start having a real impressive drive. Yeah, and um, you know they run that reverse. I think with like Terrell, Terrell Owens. Owens that's Terrell Owens. Yeah, yeah, that's where we see Terrell Owens just like shine and just gun it for that touchdown. But wasn't wasn't that it wasn't? No, no, no. The, he gunned it for the touchdown. It was Sanderson who ended up getting the flag when he made the touchdown. Yeah, that was like later. I think it was later that throw, in the game. That, yeah, like long throw and then. And the madman went crazy and pushed the ref. Yeah, and then he gets thrown out, like, uh-huh. got ejected, <laughs> which is was pretty crazy. But yeah, it uh, was. Yeah, th- this uh, this song I really like, and and the um, the lyrics match match up perfectly. I feel like, and if anybody got problems, I'm gonna cut for her. Yeah. It's in this atmosphere now. You can disappear, smoke thick shells. It's, I, I maybe a, re- a reference to Owens. You know, yeah. just smoking, you know, the Faster. defenders on that reverse. That's why he that's why even though he's retired, that's why he's number three on like the most touchdown receptions, receive touchdowns and the most res- and the most receiving yards ever. Yeah. Yeah. He was he was he was kind of a talker, too. You know, yeah, yeah but, he, but could, it, he could back he, it up. Yeah, though. he could back it up. I like, mean, like Ali. Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a I mean, good it, reference. And it ain't shit talking. It's not arrogance if you back it up. Yeah. So then, um, you know, we're wrapping up here with. Some songs that uh, did not appear in the film. Um, 
but are on the soundtrack. This mob, a song by Mob Deep, Never Going Back. A funny, uh, funny thing about this song is it led to a lot of controversy like four years after, afterwards because the verse that Prodigy from Mob Deep had on this song, Never Going Back, he had, a year prior, he had spit that same verse in a song with uh, rappers Cool G Rap and A True Life. Uh, I forget the name of the song, but it had a buzz on the mixtape circuit. But then Prodigy went and used that same verse and put it on the Any Given Sunday soundtrack. Okay. Yeah, so the rappers who, the rapper who he collaborated with before that True Life, he had problems with that because that means he wasn't going to get paid off that, paid off of his verse for what's, he's, Prodigy's getting paid twice, basically. Wow. I did not know that, but and then another fact, another kind of interesting fact is that the sample on this song is actually uh, the sample for Moby's uh, "God Moving Over the Face of the Waters," which was used at the end of Heat. End of Heat, yeah. And and the 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 title of the song "Never Going Back" actually, it's actually matches Neil. up. To, yeah, it matches up to the uh, the line that that Neil says at the end of the film when he when the last Al- line. Yeah, he says, "I told you, I'm never, never going, going back. back." Yeah. As, as, as Pacino's holding his hand as he dies, it's like, damn, this enemy is like the closest thing you have to a real friend, kind of. Yeah, they were like, you know. Kindred spirits. Flip sides of the, the coin, maybe. or Yeah. Yeah, it's, I, 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 that's definitely one of my all-time favorite films, and def, we'll definitely have to cover that soundtrack We will as have well. to, yeah. Because <laughs> that's an awesome soundtrack. Um, but yeah, that that's one that was on the soundtrack that uh, was not featured in the film. Yeah, There's another one, Swiss Beats, Move Right Now, featuring Eve, Eve and Dragon. Dragon. Yeah, um, I like Eve. She was like she, she has a, a couple of tracks I really like. Um, but was also I think she was part of the Rough Riders. Rough Riders, they, yeah. They all were Swiss, DMX, Eve, Dragon, the it, Locks, and Swiss was a he was a DJ, right? DJ and producer. Yeah, okay. he, he produced most of DMX's beats. Most of the Rough Riders camp. He's currently married to Alicia Keys right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. And then. Um, Hole by the uh, Courtney Love's band, Be a Man. That was their last song, by the way. Okay, they didn't. Yeah. They never did any more music uh-uh. after that. No, they didn't. Be a Man was their final song together. Yeah, this one, I don't, I don't know. I just didn't think it was anything special. No, I think it just needed in the soundtrack for filler. <laughs> yeah. Then Missy Elliott, who you're gonna call? I like Missy Elliott. Um, I wish they would have actually put this song they in sh- the movie. They should have. Yeah, I mean, I think Timberland or Missy may have produced it. And it's got the energy that goes with a football game. Yeah. I don't know why they didn't put it in there. But, you know, maybe it's one of those things, I, I think, where the, the director, um, they have all these shots, but they just don't have enough time or songs to, you know, or the, space. Or the, or the budget for it, too. Yeah. And then uh, Kid Rock with uh, Fuck, Fuck that. that. Yeah. Which is, you know, Kid Rock was really popular during the... the during the time, yeah, before he became a country music conservative. Yeah, he was saying he was going to run for Senate or something. Uh-huh. It turned out to be a joke. Thank God. Good. I can't I can't take him seriously. But uh, I, I think he's a good guy. I think he, you know, he doesn't charge a lot of people for, um, like, you know, charge overly expensive ticket prices. I think he was trying to make concerts more affordable for people, which I think is, it's a, that's cool, you know, because... Mm-hmm. Concert concert prices like ticket prices they can are just, be exorbitant. They're just getting out of control. I mean, like you know, Beyonce charging like five hundred bucks or like you know, like I'm, like I'm like, what you need all that money for? You're already a power couple anyway. Or like you know, I don't know. I mean, anybody like I mean, you know, some of these like older bands that were not there like charging all that money for 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 concerts. It's just it it gets to the point where you can't afford it. The most I ever paid for a concert ticket is uh, what's it called? 
Well, actually, you know what? This included the VIP package where I met the met the rappers in the back of the show, got an exclusive CD, autographed and whatnot. It was last year in Philly. It was $75 I paid for the whole thing for a rapper's apathy and self-titled. That's the most I paid. Okay. Yeah, I went to. I tried to go see ACDC before uh, Brian Johnson lost his hearing. Yeah. I think the tickets were like 250 bucks. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, a, a granted, the... Uh, it is ACDC and, you know, they probably weren't going to, you know, be touring for much longer. But that's just like too much. It's like and who, where, where is it? Two hundred dollars going to the promoter, the band, the who? middleman. Who knows? I mean, yeah. so this is crazy. But, hey, man, I really appreciate you taking the time to 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 do this uh, episode. Had a had a blast doing it. And good luck to your Patriots. Hey, remember, we beat you guys in the beginning of the season. So we did get our little hurrah, the Jaguars. Yeah, all y'all teams that beat us during the season, really, that 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 that's your Super Bowl right there. It's too bad you're not in the playoffs. None yeah. of y'all are. We'll see about next year. I don't know, man. We got a lot of problems. But um, yeah. I'm sure you guys you guys will uh, do well in the playoffs. And Yeah, we're going probably- to the – mark my words. We are going to the Super Bowl – and when we win that, Tom Brady's going to put on the Infinity Gauntlet like Thanos from Avengers. He's going to have all six rings. And he's going to say, with a snap of my fingers, half the NFL disappears. <laughs> Mark my words. You cracked me up, man. <laughs> but, hey, man, thanks for doing it. And uh, we'll do this. Hopefully, we can do this again. Pleasure. We right. will. Take care. You too. podcast is available on my YouTube channel, Rotunes Reviews. It's also available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and other major podcast distributors as well. So if you don't mind, please leave me some feedback. I'd really appreciate that. If you'd like to connect with me on social media, I'm on Facebook, Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Rotunes Revs. I'm on Instagram, and I'm also on the Untapped app. My username is Brutuned. This is Andrew signing off. Cheers. Cheers.